<laughs> welcome. Thank you. Um, to our listeners, welcome to a very special edition of the Creator Sessions. We are doing a special series on Emirati Women's Day, and we have the privilege to be sat here today with Maria Mlemrechi. Um, she is the communications and media consultant uh, for UAE Year of. Uh, she's also on the committee for the 51st uh, UAE National Day. Um, she's also an all-around superhuman. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's yeah, an honor to be here. Thank you. Um, we did want to speak with some Emirati women in our community and our wider network who genuinely inspire us, and you exemplify that. So thanks for having us. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so today we wanted to speak with you um, mostly about you. Uh, so we'll be talking about um, your work uh, with uh, the UAE Year of, the National Day, your personal projects, and different communities that you're involved in within the UAE. Also, to our listeners who don't know me, <laughs> I'm Tala, uh, longtime listener, first-time host of this podcast. Um, got this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the encouragement. Um, okay, so we'll just get started then. Um, we did want to kick off with some uh, general conversation on sustainability in the UAE. So what can you tell us about the year of sustainability, um, what it means? And I know that the, the objective and the mission is to encourage sustainable practices in the UAE. So how are we doing that? Great, so uh, we've been involved in the Year of Sustainability uh, for this year, to 2023, and uh, we've been planning for it a bit longer than that, because this year, unlike any other themed year in the UAE, it's focused on behavior change. So the Year of Sustainability is mainly focused on the domestic public, so everyone who calls the UAE home. Um, and with the sustainability being such a wide and complex topic, We've also invited experts in sustainability from different backgrounds uh, here in the UAE to support us in the narrative and how we can drive sustainable behavior. So we're looking at specific topics, things that me and you can do in our everyday life, because usually people, when they think of sustainability, it's like, oh, it's the government's job. Yeah. Or, oh, it's the uh, company's. Not my problem. It's not my problem, yeah. but it is our collective uh, and individual uh, um, burden, what we are doing here to our land absolutely is uh, what we have caused, and it can be reversed if we start changing our behavior today for tomorrow. That is very true. Um, it's the endless debate, isn't it, um, of individual action versus kind of corporate action. Yeah. So, do we do this grassroots or do we do this top down? Um, in my opinion, it's a bit of both. How do yes. you feel about that? I agree. So it's a collective effort. And one of the things that we are doing in the year of sustainability is to bring in uh, and unify the efforts from the stakeholders, like uh, agencies, companies, and governments uh, who already have a lot of initiatives and uh, policies uh, within sustainability. But we're kind of trying to simplify it or find focus areas where the individuals can add value. So it's things like uh, responsible consumption. We talk about uh, reducing red meat intake, uh, increasing plant-based food, That's a uh, tough slow one here. fashion, <laughs> it is a tough one. And again, we're not saying to cut it out completely. We're not asking people to become fully vegetarian or vegan. That is not what we're here for. It's 
uh, if you are, good for you. Thank you for your contribution to the environment. <laughs> and if not, it's just about thinking of ways how to reduce uh, red meat intake once a week or twice a week. Absolutely. Start somewhere, start small. And it's things uh, that include, uh, or start with the things that make more sense to you. Um, and something I always bring up is, what's what's wrong with kushari? Honestly, what's nothing. wrong with pizza? Nothing. <laughs> you know, like why can't we once a week focus on uh, like a, you know on meatless Mondays? Yeah, this is one of the initiatives is to focus on alternative yeah. foods. I'm that a Jadara fan myself. Hello, <laughs> that's delicious. <laughs> so it's things like that, you know, like making small changes Absolutely. that can have a big impact, and we might not see it. Uh, immediately but it's something that is long lasting yeah um it's also things like uh, 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 stopping single-use plastic yeah so we're not saying all plastic is bad Mm -hmm. but the single-use approach to anything is uh, or the way that we dispose of the single-use plastic is what's harming the environment because plastic takes a long time to um, degrade degrade and how can we make it more sustainable in the way that we segregate our trash, yeah. recycle, upcycle? It's small things like how our moms used to use the quality street boxes. Yes, for you mean the sewing kit boxes? The sewing kit boxes. Yeah. For me, it was never a sewing kit box. It was a burga box. Okay. So my mom had her baraga in the box. and It's a good use. <laughs> never chocolate. <laughs> and that was always funny to me when people say sewing kit, I'm like, I don't relate. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's the same concept, but uh, it's the Vimto bottles yes. that turn into, you know, olive oil, olive oil, or... anything, you know, like it's that finding new life for the the elements that we use, Absolutely. the resources. So we've become extensive and and I, and I want to say this, like we, we've become consumers. We've, we are consuming more than we give back. So I think it's finding the balance between give and take. So as we take, we need to give back and find ways to give back. Absolutely. I think um, in a lot of cases, and I know this is something that the Year of Sustainability is effectively doing, is focusing on education. A lot of people don't, we're blessed that a lot of people are becoming more and more aware. I'll, yeah. I'll preface with that. But a lot of people don't know just how harmful kind of mass farming is, yes. um, just how many emissions come from the production of meat. Yes. Um, we don't make that connection naturally unless we've at some point been enlightened somehow. True. Um, so it's so important to be doing this work. And I don't think there's anything wrong with kushari. I don't think anybody thinks there's anything wrong with pizza. Yes. And it's just that they don't necessarily realize that by having pizza today instead of, you know, more meat, yeah. uh, they're doing a small part in... Or a beautiful manusha. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Thank you for pandering to me and my Lebanese nature. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you face, just speaking on changing these habits, some of the biggest yes. challenges that you face in changing behaviors? Yes. So with the work that we're doing, we're always looking inward as well. Like what kind of behavior can we change? And honestly, some of the things have been a struggle to start. So I started with small things like, for example, I I don't buy water bottles at home. I have a cooler and I fill in my- uh, Team my cooler. <laughs> 
even cooler. <laughs> and I realized in the beginning of the year that I don't carry my bottle with me when I go out. I only drink from it when I'm home. And that was a like a moment for me, like, why don't I? Mm. And it's kind of like the the social norm mm-hmm. like I'm used to going to places where they have water like yeah at the office there is some water uh, at my friends places they have water but for me it was a statement how can I make that statement and bring more people into that awareness why am I ashamed to carry my water bottle oh, no. you know just because no, not everyone else is doing it so it's about starting small from your existing habits other things like um, for example, and this is the biggest impact on uh, our air, uh, the air that we breathe and the quality of air that we breathe is uh, car emissions. So finding ways maybe that makes sense. So instead of like we are promoting using public transport, but we're also promoting shared rides. So if we're all heading to together to the same destination, why don't we take a ride together? Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's going to help us uh, not get more traffic fines, less traffic congestion in the roads, and it helps our air quality. So it does affect our health, our finances, and we're looking at every one of these behaviors on how it affects us in different ways. Definitely. So if we think about sustainability in the sense that it's how it's impacting how sustainability is impacting our lives and our environment usually people relate sustainability only to environment but this is only one of the pillars the other pillar is our community ourselves yeah. and our resources so when we're talking finances or existing resources how can we make better use of them Definitely. instead of just you know use it and trash it uh, actually, good point. Speaking on pillars, I know that you know we've segmented uh, the the main objectives um, of the year of sustainability into kind of three distinct uh, elements yeah. that go into really changing these behaviors on a on a global scale. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what those kind of three elements are, yeah. uh, just briefly, what they mean, and what kind of actions we're encouraging people yes. to adjust? So the the three main pillars that we're looking at is um, responsible consumption, conservation, and uh, climate action. And it was a bit difficult to look at climate action from an individual point of view. Definitely, that's the big one. But when we get closer to COP, we're going to dive in a bit more into that. So it's things like saving energy and water at home. It's cost efficient. Uh, It's also helping the environment. So thinking about... uh, alternative ways like when you're using the water tap just close it you know like if you're not using it don't waste the water it's a very scarce um, resource so much more scarce than people realize exactly. you know we've all grown up or most of us have grown up with just this access to clean water at our fingertips and we really take for granted how much of a luxury that actually is, it is. and it how is. scarce it is yeah it is a luxury and uh, in alhamdulillah we are blessed to be in a place and time where this resource is provided for us but we don't because of that we don't realize how scarce it is so sometimes we take it for granted and we waste it um, other elements like um, uh, leaving no wa- no trace of waste mm-hmm. so when we go to the public and uh, we always take that we also take that for granted is that 
uh, there's someone who will clean after us. Yeah. You know, so uh, even if we're in deserts or in the beach, pick up behind yourself. Don't leave things behind, especially trash, especially plastic. That goes into the water, that goes and uh, turns into microplastics when the fish eat it and then we eat it. And that's a huge problem. Like, people don't realize that the number of, the amount of plastic that we eat. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. When I found this out this year and I'm like, okay, this Ouch. is news. <laughs> this <laughs> and those is plastics news. can, in some cases, uh, be extremely toxic, extremely hazardous, in some cases carcinogenic. Yes. And we ingest this just based on the fact that we're in many ways drowning in yep. this waste that we've created. Definitely. Um, if you'll allow me to go on a, a little tangent. Um, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I really strongly drives like my personal um uh my vision of my own impact if i guess if that makes any sense um my sustainable footprint when i first came to the uae uh, many many moons ago (laughs) when i was but a wee (laughs) lass (laughs) um i i we were just talking off off camera i I mean i grew up partially in, in montreal and you know we were taught these tenets of like recycling and whatever re- reduce recycle reuse from you know when we were in kindergarten and then coming here uh, way back in the day like in the early 2000s um i didn't see as much of that yeah. you know like i didn't see nearly as much of an emphasis and a focus on conservation yes. and i think we were still living in a period where we were just a little bit blind to our own action and one of the things that i love love about year of in general UAE year of is that we're not afraid to look inwards and like we were saying to re-examine and reassess our behaviors and be open to changing them and to the credit of that I have seen such a massive change in the mentality especially if you look at school age children today from when they were in the early 2000s these things are becoming second nature to them you know we've made such huge strides of course I mean the mountain peak is still sky high yeah. Uh, but that's global. And yes. just for, for our little country, we've made such huge strides in a short amount of time. You're absolutely right. And uh, in some of the interviews and conversations we've been having, um, I sat with experts that talked about this issue as well. Uh, when we talk about mission to zero, it is a big um, goal to aspire to. But the destination isn't the the goal here. It's the journey. It's How the friends do we, we make along the way? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it's it's the journey of getting to zero uh, emissions, zero uh, waste, zero etc. So it's it's about how can we reduce because we have been consuming a lot and unfortunately and wasting. Unfortunately, the UAE has is one of the top countries with food waste, uh, which creates greenhouse gas emissions. Um, And that honestly does not reflect our values. No. When we talk about uh, things like hafd al-ni'mah, you know, uh, things like like sharing food, uh, hospitality. In in one of the sessions I had, someone asked me, 
how how does this conflict with our values of hospitality you know when we talk about one of the uh, irresponsible consumption we talk about food portioning for gatherings like we are so used to over ordering yes. uh, you know to to make sure that there is types of food and amounts of food. This is an Arab cultural problem across the Middle it East. Is. And y- you feel like you're going to be judged or seen badly if you're not providing, providing over the amount of food necessary. And that question stopped me. I'm like, yes, it, hospitality is one of our values in the UAE. But there's a more core value, which is Adam al Hadr. Um, and that ta- that talks about not wasting, yeah. you know, and not taking things for granted. When we waste food, it is, it is. Uh, when you think about it, it's not a, it's not something to be proud of no. as humans. You no. know, it doesn't align with our values in our uh, way of li- way of life or yeah. in our religions. Yeah, no actually, matter, no matter which religion we're coming from, I think. Most religions actually agree on this. I like was going to say, growing up, if you left food in your plate, it was very high na'mat Allah. You can't yeah. just leave it, yeah. you know. And <laughs> I remember they'd scare us with na'mat Allah bil al-qiyamah. I don't know if you have the same experience. <laughs> Didn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another way, another thing was that either. Like if, if yeah. the rice fell on the floor, if you pick it up for each thing you pick up, you get ajr. Yeah. And you get, uh, you know, like uh, points. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that kind of, if we think if we think about it, hospitality does not mean overspending or over uh, or showing off. It's not about showing off. You no. know, it's not about showing off. Hospitality is about sharing what we have. You're right. And. I've heard so many stories of, you know, uh, people in the past who they had nothing but a sheep uh, and when guests yeah. came, they would feed them from, from I heard that. the same stories. Yeah. <laughs> I think we everyone, have a <laughs> everyone knew the same neighbors with that one sheep. <laughs> but honestly, like these things make you think like, okay, hospitality means providing what, what you have, but it's not over indulging. Yeah. It's not again like with food portioning yeah. for gatherings, you'll be saving money. Yeah, you'll be uh, saving food from being wasted. Yeah, and even if you have leftover foods, yeah. sometimes think about like uh, 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 restoring your leftovers to eat them or giving it yeah. uh, to hafdh uh, al and uh, to people who uh, would appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely, no, you're right, and just to. Um, you mentioned it's across cultures, across different religions, across different traditions, you know, the yeah. same real tenets about not wasting and not being so like, it's not about your pride or your arrogance yeah. and also gluttony being a sin, you know, all of these, it yes. all comes back to the same. Yes. Yes. So like, I don't know how we've strayed so far from reconciling those concepts, you know. It's the consumerism mentality, like with, and I, and we've had time to think about that, like with our uh, speedy development you yeah. know like there was a time in the UAE where it was about um, uniting when the you know we started the unity but then there was a, 
a point in time, and not just the UAE, where there was rapid human development yeah. uh, when it comes to globalization, uh, the internet of things, you know, yeah. and everything was accelerated. Ordering, uh, ordering things and having having easy access. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, there weren't many restaurants for us to to order from at any time, yeah. at, uh, you know, yeah. any time of day. Uh, and we, when we look back at things as well, so I love this story because back in the day when fishermen used to go and fish for food, they would only take what they need. Yeah. And it wasn't because of their awareness about sustainability. It was because they didn't have uh, anywhere to store it in, like a, a freezer or refrigerator they would only take what they need for that day. And if then if anything is left over, they would يملحونه, uh, so salt it, yep. uh, put salt on it in order to preserve it. Preserve it. And if they captured many fish, they would put some back because they are aware that that means there will be more fish to get yeah. tomorrow. I love that principle of putting something back or taking only what you need from nature yes. as well. Um, and you're right, uh, consumerism and like this very like capitalist driven culture has strayed us all from that i think what is essentially a human instinct you know our instinct is not to take every single fruit off the tree because the next person who walks up to it is going to need to eat um but i think this kind of corrupting influence of how can i capitalize on this you know makes you want to take everything and and even like the over purchase or ordering when it comes to fashion yes shopping has become uh that's a uh, whole rabbit hole. Uh, it's a rabbit hole, honestly. And it's because of, of the ease of access. Yeah. But we don't think about all the things that, uh, or the ripple of effect of all these things. So yes, sometimes you can find things that are cheaper, but that also means the value of that thing is much less. So you will be spending more because you'll be buying more. And if we think about the things that we, we purchased that was of high value, and see its quality, yeah. see its longevity, how long it stays with, with us. And that goes back to the idea of single-use plastic, single-use yeah. anything. Yeah. You know, like sometimes we would order from an online shop and wear that thing once. Yeah. Um, and then realize it's, you know, yeah. th- we don't like the fabric, we don't like the style, and then we throw it away. And why, why don't we upcycle it, yeah. turn it into a bag? I don't know. Tablecloth, I don't know. <laughs> um, there is endless things that we can touch on when it comes to uh, adjusting our behaviors, encouraging this, those sustainable practices, awareness on Definitely. what our actions, um, ha- what consequences our actions have. And to the listeners who are interested in also learning more, uh, finding out more about this, you know, doing your own research. If any of this was new to you, yeah. um, definitely follow UAE Year Of on all their socials and Miriam, is there anywhere else that they can find more of this information? Yes. So they can check our social channels. We are everywhere. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, YouTube, TikTok, TikTok <laughs> uh, and threads. Um, UAE Year Of and also our website www.uaeyearof.ae where they can also find uh, sustainability guides so uh, we have released the second edition of the sustainability guides uh, which the first one talked about responsible consumption and some tips on how we can be more responsible in our way of life and consumerism and the second edition which was uh, released uh, recently is about conservation 
and it talks about how we can be more caring towards our land and environment. Yeah, and the flora and fauna within. Um, Before we kind of move on from from the sustainability um, endless rabbit hole, I wanted to touch on COP28 um, and maybe end on a little bit of a positive note. So as we are on the road to COP28 currently um, and we quickly approach uh, the conference, what are some things that you can share with us um, that are initiatives uh, that you know of that stand out to you that the government um, or kind of the public uh, sector is undertaking uh, to prepare the nation for the hosting of COP? So COP28 is a big conference uh, of the parties that's happening in the UAE for the first time. And what's different about this COP is that uh, they are looking at the stock take. So the the Paris Agreement that happened with the first COP, they are reviewing the promises or the, the targets that they have uh, made and if they have achieved it. So this is why this is a special conference. It's about evaluating ourselves as nations. So. I think with that, there are so many initiatives that are happening across the UAE. If there are any also other initiatives that uh, the audience uh, would like to share with us, then please do, because we are at that point where we want to look at not just government and uh, uh, organizations' uh, initiatives, we also want to look at individuals' initiatives um, when it comes to, for example, planting mangroves or whatever creative thing that you might be doing. So one of the things that will be closer to COP uh, and announced uh, around that time is some of the uh, production approaches. So amazing. we've been looking at how we can be more responsible in our uh, or sustainable in our production approach in the year of sustainability. Manufacturing-wise? Uh, manufacturing-wise as well. Um, so we're looking at, uh, for example, taking date pits and converting them into pins for the year of sustainability. I love that. Um, we're looking at sand and basically upcycling some of those materials into and giving it new life instead of adding it into the landfill, uh, uh, the waste landfill. Um, Other things we looked at as well, and all of these things that I'm mentioning, it's mainly to help people in the creative industry understand that there are other ways to approach production. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's only to inspire. Yeah. Uh, One other thing that we've done is we've looked at some of our existing inventory of items from the year of the 50th. And we are upcycling some of those jackets, creating tote bags and other uh, product designs instead of using new material. Um, Maybe this is an idea for uh, other businesses to look at their inventory and how they can redesign and upcycle those items. Um, And for individuals, I would just ask them to make a choice. And it's always about choices. Um, someone asked me if this is easy or hard to be sustainable. It is a journey, but it's not as hard as we think it is. It just takes one step. One step that makes sense to you as an individual to start from. Um, and Go from fu- there. Go from there. Yeah. Every step counts, honestly. Absolutely. Um, just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, how it's kind of second nature to us. So it's just about waking up that nature that yes. probably already exists within you. Yes. It's how your your ancestors, you know, went about their lives. So it's it's in there somewhere. Um, moving on 
rather abruptly <laughs> to the National Experts Program. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what the National Experts Program is? I know that you went through um, through the program and then it kind of inspired you or helped you to kickstart your own business, which we'll get into. So uh, maybe I'll find a segue to, to get sure. to the National Experts Program <laughs> because uh, within the year of sustainability, uh, we have the Sustainability Experts Network and some of those members are actually from the National Experts Program. And um, why we, tr we, we chose these candidates, it's first of all based on their experience in sustainability, but also because the National Experts Program has prepped them for um, to take this role in thinking like an expert and acting like a leader and being able to advise on a national level. So the National Experts Program was launched in 2019 by His Highness uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nahyan, the President of the UAE. And it was with the core focus to develop the national kawadr. Um, like talents? Yes. Yeah. So with the objective to develop the national talents and expertise in specific sectors related to uh, the UAE's vision. So one exciting thing about a national experts program, or NEP for short, is that um, each candidate is in their own sector. And so for example, I was in the media and creative industries sector. Uh, but there was no one else in the media. There was someone in medicine, someone in okay. tourism, someone in... So all um, by yourself. Exactly. <laughs> so it was more of a collaboration approach rather than a competitive approach because you're not competing with anyone else in your sector. You're just finding ways to link or finding ways to collaborate with other sectors to improve your own sector for the UAE. So the... The program prepped us through academics, through different learning uh, um, approaches. Part of the NEP experience is that each of the experts had uh, their mentor. Um, so it would be people like minister, ministers or director generals, so high level uh, pu public yeah. uh, figures in the UAE related to the sectors that we were in. So because I was in the media and creative industries uh, sector, uh, my mentor was Her Excellency Mun Al-Marri, Director General of Dubai Media Office. She holds other um, hats as well and other roles in, uh, in the government. That's a great mentor to have. I know, I know. Honestly, I had the privilege of working with her and uh, shadowing her uh, in several of uh, the occasions like the World Government Summit, uh, some other initiatives uh, or uh, um, events that we've attended. And uh, through that work, uh, she helped guide me in the project that we were working to enhance the media and creative industries in the UAE. So this was part of our work is like during those nine months, we had to pitch an idea based on all the tools that they've provided us, all the information that we've gathered, uh, all the trends, uh, um, so we also looked at global trends of media and creative industries, specifically in my sector, um, to find ways how to improve our sectors for, yeah. for the development in the UAE. And part of the findings is that uh, the top countries that are doing well in media and creative industries uh, are actually all leading from a private sector. Okay. And to me, that was one of the gaps that I've looked into for the UAE is that we need to find ways to 
amplify the efforts in the private and private sector for uh, public the case sector the private sector ah. so this is what's happening here is that it's been the efforts have been led by the government uh-huh. to try to support the creative industries. Okay. But in order for us to thrive and develop economically, it needs to be pushed from the private sector That's as well. That's amazing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's a, an amazing kind of uh, point, to, proof point to, yeah. to, to work through. Um, what would you say kind of for your biggest takeaways or your biggest learnings having passed through the program? So one of the things... Um, that I've learned from the program is that you need to create or pave your own way as an expert. It doesn't, it doesn't end the the level of expertise. It's the the levels of learning. So you need to continue striving to learn and find new ways. Uh, we've had some courses about agility, about mind mapping, about mm-hmm. it was really cool stuff. But also we've done media training to be able to represent our sector in different um, uh, different situations yeah. or different um, uh, um, and one of the biggest takeaways that now when I look back at, uh, at the journey since 2019 is that NEP didn't just help me it wasn't that NEP gave me a push or a spotlight. NEP gave me the tools. Mm-hmm. And it's what I did with those tools that have been given to pave my way in, in the media and creative industries. That's what every individual needs to work on. So sometimes life gives you things, lemons, for yeah. example, and what do you make with it? <laughs> yeah, you know? absolutely. I think sometimes that's really all you need. All of the things are within you to be able to create something, yes. do something amazing, start something. Exactly. But you do need the tools, you need the guidance, and just really the the cheerleading, the vote of confidence exactly. goes such a long way. Because um, it was honestly like uh, starting an EP at that point in, in that time of my life, it was a huge, um, it was a huge burden to carry and to think of. We were the first batch in NEP. Uh, we sat there in the Founders Memorial, and I don't know if you can edit some pictures in this, but you it sure was, can. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a moment. Uh, so it was launched with His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, and he was telling us, looking at us in our eyes, and telling us like, uh, "I'm so proud that today we have." experts we can say that we have experts national experts to to lead in their sectors and that was that's high praise that's the highest praise <laughs> and it's not just that it was a responsibility yes in that moment listening yeah. to the president telling us it's like okay what now else? i have to do something. i have to do something i can't just sit there yeah um and funny thing is that uh, uh, we finished our our um NEP program in 2019 and in 2020 the pandemic hit. Yep, we remember. <laughs> we remember that clearly. Um, yeah, that was a, a strange time um, for the entire planet. Um, you came off the tail of NEP into COVID. How did that then one plus two equal you founding or co-founding uh, AstroCloud, which is your your personal project. Yes, so AstroCloud Studios w- came out of a need. So during the pandemic um, and while working remotely and seeing how 
things really have changed through in every sector. Every sector has been impacted. And I remember that was a time where me and the fellows uh, from NEP were uh, gathering, having meetings virtually, having expert talks and discussions on how has it impacted uh, our sector? What can we do? What does it mean uh, going forward? And during that research, I found an opportunity. Uh, and it was uh, an opportunity of a need to have to focus on creative industries um, and to basically adapt and disrupt the, the way that the creative industries work here in the UAE. And uh, so me and my co-founder, Shog Mudhaffar, who is a product designer, uh, she works a lot with uh, traditional handicrafts. Uh, she Amazing. created the first Nike shoes made out of sadhu uh, uh, as part of House of Artisans. So that was like the way that we work together is like very compatible to find ways to develop the creative industries. And for me, honestly, it started with myself. I have dropped the ball on my creative side as an artist uh, throughout those years after university. And during the pandemic, that was the only thing that gave me hope again. Sustained you. Sustained me mentally is that I was able to do art again. And while doing that, I realized that um, there are different ways that people can generate income in the creative industries. And there should be. There should be because the, not everyone needs to have an office job or work yeah. at an office or in the government or in the private sector in order to make a living. Um, everyone works differently and the way that we are all connected um, and we we have different resources or different skill sets so how can we bring that to the table yeah um, so when we first started Astro Cloud um, we worked with different creatives uh, from musicians to artists to gamers uh, and esports organizations to find ways to support the creative uh, industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, each of them has its own struggles. Each of them has its own um, uh, opportunities. Honestly. Especially during COVID. Exactly. Um, I think that was the time in which we saw just how much the different spheres of the creative industries rely on interactions with others, you exactly. know? And really, if you think about it, it's one of those spheres that really sparks joy, brings people happiness, you know, makes their day a little bit better, makes them laugh, makes them cry, makes them feel something. Yeah. Um, and so we owe so much to those artists and those creatives that, that bring us this, you know, just pleasure, yeah. the joie de vivre. Um, and then suddenly to cut that off at the knees and, and along with it, cut off their livelihoods yes. was such a kind of disheartening uh, thing to happen. Yeah. Um, so it's very, very impactful work that you're doing to kind of be able to diversify um, that stream of revenue just to make sure that they're Definitely. compensated. And the way that we, we see it is that, because um, I've seen also different agencies work where they have designers, for example, who work on different projects that might not be of interest. So the way that we approach it is we look at the project that we, we receive either from uh, a small business, a government entity, whoever the client is, and find or match make with some of the 
the uh, creatives that are interested to work on such projects because creative industries are purely a passion driven uh, uh, economy and if the people working on the project aren't interested then you can't get the best out of them so we found ways to disrupt the system also uh, you don't have to uh, have your own license you can freelance with us amazing um, you don't have to um, you know uh, do the whole proposals and the the you know that the, the jump through the every hoop <laughs> exactly yeah. the work that kind of kills the creativity yes focus on what you're best at and let us help you get the the generate the income yeah. that you know helps you facilitating the work in a sense yeah exactly so important um and throughout these two years uh we've also reassessed and adapted as astrocloud um on the needs basis so we've noticed that there is different things that the the current situation or the environment and the UAE needs. We've also looked at um, the trends. So the way that we work is very much adaptable. So yes, we are supporting creative industries, but we're also very much looking at what is the need and what is what are the resources available. Um, and we work with people from the region and not just the UAE to bring in different creative mindsets, different backgrounds. Uh, because honestly, th- the pandemic taught us that we can work from literally anywhere. And uh, the way that we approach the work now is kind of support and collaborate with other agencies to uh, find the best narrative when it comes fr- to a cultural context, like cultural creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, The UAE has been doing a lot of great things, but I've also looked at some of the pain points for me, I would say. We don't have Emirati content. Mm -hmm. Not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. We have uh, content that could fit anywhere in the world. You know, you can take it, place it in any other country and it would work. And that's why when we do see that Emirati content or artwork or even something like comedy, you know, we just we identify so strongly with it and we like it so much because it's like we only get these small glimmers or these little nuggets and they're so good. Exactly. And it's it's finding ways not to compete with other agencies, but to collaborate with other agencies to consult them on the best uh, creative approach and storytelling and development of projects and uh, you know like creative industries and media or uh, I would say control A <laughs> you <laughs> select all yeah. you do so many things yeah. um, but we're also trying to be more focused on what is needed actually yeah. from AstroCloud in this industry and how can we help us get there and maybe in a few years when you ask me the whole model of AstroCloud would be adapting to a new need that's just a, a mark of a good business is one that is able to stop reassess and reevaluate yes. and then you know be able to reinvent itself where necessary um, and it's kind of for me it's about also finding and this is where my work kind of ties up it's also finding the most sustainable way yes. of resourcing you yes know? Um, resourcing not just in terms of production but also resourcing the the uh, skill sets yes for the projects um, there's always improvements that yeah. can be made um, and that has to adapt as we evolve yeah. um, as a nation as people and as a planet uh, I wanted to get your input as well on the 
kind of creative ecosystem and landscape of the UAE. Yep. Shout out to Warehouse 421 um, uh, for being kind of this uh, this <laughs> hub of, of creativity and like a network for artists and creative individuals in, in Abu Dhabi and across the UAE. Um, what does this landscape look like today? Uh, how has it evolved of late? And how has your work with AstroCloud been able to kind of, you know, maybe piece together a lot of those uh, different pieces of the narrative yeah. that are scattered across the country? So, I mean, there is there are so many uh, uh, spaces that provide that support from, like, whether they're government-led or private. Um, and we've noticed that there is a need from from the government and from the people to find those spaces to work with. Um, and the type of work that we do is that we want to complement the efforts that are being made in Warehouse 421 or other locations uh, across the UAE. And it's also for us trying to find an alternate way, alternative way of working so maybe the artists don't like they have social anxiety. They can't sure, work. Yeah. They can't work with the with other uh, uh, creatives. Yeah. But once you give them their own safe space to work in, they can give you so much. So, and honestly, I think I just want to take one step back to to mention something, and this is also another need or another uh, perspective that helped us define the way that we work is that during the pandemic we were looking at uh, people of determination and the way of uh, the way of integrating them into the work and also in schools there is so much potential when it comes to people of determination that a normal or an, a traditional way of working in an office does not really help them thrive. So if you create the right environment, they are no longer disabled. Absolutely. So we are disabling them with the environments that we have created. That is so beautiful. So we're determined to provide the right space and the right environment for them to make a living also through this because honestly they are they think on a whole nother level from my experience in my work they operate on another dimension uh, and this is one of the things like when you talk about neurodiversity it's also a diversifying diversifying the ways that we think or approach things um, it comes with its own challenges but it's about developing our own opportunities in that uh, way of working absolutely one of the things that I love about you, Mariam, as a, as a big fan, um, is really you are driven by passion, um, whether it comes to your work, um, with the year of sustainability, to your personal projects, yes. like bringing the creative community together and making sure they can put food on the table and that yeah. they can monetize their work um, into all of the kind of community involvement and the things that you care about. Really, you're just driven by passion and a desire to make an impact and to help others, which is so beautiful. 
Um, absolutely big fan (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um emirati women's day is really um born out of a a desire to to celebrate emirati women and their achievements and in a lot of ways you exemplify that so i'm so glad that we could sit here and and celebrate you in this way Um, of course uh where can some of the listeners find you follow you um how can they get involved with the national experts program should they want to and then also how can they get in touch with astro cloud should they want to be involved so you can find the uh, national experts program at uae and ep uh, on social and uae and ep.ae on their website uh, so they have uh, applications every year for a new cohort uh, i've been working with cohorts two and three uh, as well and uh, i look forward as to the alumni as the alumni of, <laughs> of nep um, because honestly it's, it is a network and yes. we do find ways to work together um, to expand our our efforts uh, collectively and um, if you want to find us hi at astrocloud.ae uh, that's also our website, astrocloud.ae, and also on socials, astrocloud.ae. <laughs> I just wanted to thank the women that have paved this way for us to, the Emirati women that paved the way to get us to where we are, and um, to inspire us to be, be able to believe in ourselves, that we can make a difference too. Um, I understand that sometimes it's a struggle, but the way that our country and our leadership believes in women, believes in uh, our contribution collectively, that's honestly what helps drive uh, my passion is that I'm limitless. And because I have that support, I can do so much. And I would ask all the Emirati women to follow their passion, follow their dreams, and don't let anything stop you. Here, here. <laughs> well, here's to you. Um, and thank you so much for having us. Thank you for speaking with us. Um, it's been a pleasure as always. <laughs> always with you, Tala. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> of course. To our listeners, uh, if you did enjoy this episode, um, if you enjoyed our chat with Miriam, um, definitely listen to the other episodes in the series where we get to speak to other highly impressive Emirati women such as Maryam. Um, So yeah, look out for those episodes. I'm going to tune in as well.